Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. In 2021, they're putting out two new records, one from MH Chaos coming out of Chicago. Super stoked to hear what they have cooking. Fan of Chicago hardcore. Love those guys. Also from the SWB, Scranton Wilkes-Barre, Warren, putting out the Human Work LP, which I'm really looking forward to. I love everything that they've done so far, so I'm really stoked to hear new material from them. So please support From Within Records because they support us. And if you haven't yet, please go follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Head over to The Big Cartel. Go pick up some stuff. Greatly appreciate it. On today's episode, we travel to South Philly. We track down Sean from Sunstroke. I've been a fan of that band for for a little over a year or maybe a year and a half, somewhere around there. It was uh, an idea to have him on. Uh, It's been a long time coming uh, since I had on Nick from Numerality Zine. Uh, Him and I talked off air and I just kind of ran some ideas uh, by him and talked about bands that I would love to have on that he's worked with. And for some reason, Sunstroke has just escaped me. Uh, But it wasn't until recently that I was just like, man, I need to make this happen. So I reached out to Sean. He was super down to do it. And I was really stoked to finally have him on the podcast and just talk to him about the band and how everything came together. I'm a huge fan of that style. I, I mentioned on the episode that when I listen to them, I get uh, serious suicide, uh, excuse me, su- serious suicide file vibes. And I, I love that band so much. So anything that uh, has those like similarities just gets me stoked. If you haven't heard of Sunstroke, head over to Spotify, Bandcamp, go check them out. I, I think they're seriously such an awesome band. I love their latest record, Bloom at Night. Uh, I, I feel like the lyrical content, it gets very personal, and I, I'm just really into their style. So like I said, if you, if you haven't yet, please hit pause, go stream the records, get into them, and check back in. The conversation was really fun, so please, without further ado, welcome Sean to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Hey, how are you? Dude, I'm, I'm doing all right. This is, uh, I feel like a long time coming. Uh, I, honestly, I, I feel like when I had Nick from New Morality Zine on, which was like a while ago, I had the idea of, uh, you know, having somebody from Sunstroke on the podcast. And I, I honestly don't know why it took so long, but I'm just happy that we're finally here and we're able to do the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as stoked. So um, for for anybody who's listening who's not familiar, if you can just introduce yourself and uh, talk about um, what you do in the band. All right. Um, uh, my name's Sean, and I sing in Sunstroke. And uh, I mean, we're a band that's kind of based out of Philly, but I think I'm the only one that lives in the city anymore. Uh, one of our drummer lives on Long Island. Uh, the guy that plays bass lives in Delaware and all three of our guitar players uh, live in New Jersey. One of them lives in Philly part-time, but yeah. 
that's awesome i i didn't know you guys had three guitar players that that's pretty crazy um we have for about a year and like it's a little bit of a rotating position like that third guitar oh okay. uh really liked how it it came together live and we started writing like newer stuff with three guitars and it just uh i don't know it's uh it's cool it gives us a lot more opportunities and possibilities for uh for the melodies that's uh it's real cool okay so i want to take it back to uh like your origins and can you talk about like where you were born and how you got into hardcore um I grew up in southern New Jersey, about 15 to 20 minutes out of Philly. Um, and uh, it's it's a weird one because like uh, I got into hardcore and punk kind of through just uh, I was really into hip hop when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And I read about hip hop in this book and they compared public enemy to punk. And I didn't know what punk was. So then, like, the next time I was at a record store, I was just, like, you know, I just asked somebody, like, working there. I was like, do you guys have any punk records? And then it was all just, like, independently. Every time I went to the record store, buy new punk records. And then, uh, like, the third or fourth time, they sent me home with, like, a Black Flag record, the, the Minor Threat discography, and the Bad Brains Roar cassette. And ever since then, it was just kind of, like, buying stuff with the the labels like uh if it was on discord or if it was on sst and then eventually like if it was on revelation i would buy it and that's that's kind of how i got into it. it's just like you find a little bit and you just want to know more you want to know more you want to hear more and then eventually i found myself at shows and stuff like that so I, I think it's awesome uh, to, to hear that connection because uh, I've been around long enough to know that there's like a you know a deep con- connection between hardcore and hip hop, and sometimes I, I feel like uh, that connection. Uh, I, I sometimes I feel like it, it um, you know might be fading, but then um, you know talking to you today, I, I, I find out that's like what got you in, and I was like, okay, cool, like that connection is always going to be there. It's just like you know probably not as talked about as much, but then I think about bands like um, have you had a chance to check out that newer band uh, Pillars of Ivory. Yeah. 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 Just stuff like that. Just, uh, and like bands like, uh, three knee deep out of Florida who like, you know, always, like, you know, uh, with samples and stuff, super sick. So, um, if, uh, you didn't know there's like, yeah, a deep connection between hardcore and hip hop and it, it, it's super cool to see. And it, it's cool to hear about too. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that, uh, in origins, both are, uh, like rooted in being urban music. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. And they're also like music that was kind of frowned upon by the masses when when it started. And then uh, I think like hip hop went a little bit of a different route. But I feel like both of them still kind of have their roots within it, within a community um, inside the like the urban environment. I think hardcore has moved out to the suburbs and I feel like hip hop will always have its root in like certain communities. It's really cool to see, though, that like I feel like that that connection can still be made even with modern hip hop and modern hardcore, I feel like sometimes you just gotta dig a little bit deeper to see it. Okay. Uh, how'd you end up in Philly? Um, I mean, it was, it was the city like for me growing up, like I literally, I could get on a train and get over here in like 10, 15 minutes. Okay. So, um, when I was like in middle school and high school, I used to, I would just ride my bike to like the, the train that went from Philly into South Jersey. 
and I would be in like in center city in about 10, 15 minutes. And I would just ride my bike around everywhere. Um, by like eighth grade, I started like cutting school and then taking the train over to Philly and then taking the, uh, Chinatown bus from Philadelphia to New York and started going to shows at like CBs and ABC, no Rio up there. And you, would you even let your parents know where you're going or you would just take off? Um, I had like, not really elaborate, but like semi elaborate plans. Every time I would do it, it was like, I would just say I was sleeping over my friend Jeremy's house and like my parents knew him and they knew like his family well, and they would never question it. So they were like, all right. And then, you know, I'd come home early the next morning before school and get a shower and then get dressed and go to school. <laughs> That's crazy. That reminds me of the first time that I went to Las Vegas with my friends. Uh, I, I felt like, I, I I told my parents the the truth, just not the whole truth. Like I, uh, like we had met some friends uh, who I'm still friends with to this day. Um, they actually uh, booked most of the shows out in Vegas. Uh, shout out uh, Blackheart Productions, or excuse me, not Blackheart, Black Path um, Productions. Um, we had, I met in Southern California just like through like a, a mutual uh, friends, and they were like, "Hey, like we're, we're doing this show. You guys should totally come out, and we'll give you a place to stay. Like it's gonna be awesome." So I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like new friends in a new city that uh, I've never really gone to for hardcore. Like I'm down. So I, I remember I, I called my mom, and we we're staying this guy named Larry's apartment, and I, I just called her. I was like, "Hey, is it alright if I stay at my buddy um, Larry's house tonight?" And she was like, yeah, like, it's totally fine. Just be safe. But like, I didn't tell her it was going to be like in Las Vegas. And this is me living in like the Palm Springs area. So I, I felt a little guilty because I didn't tell her exactly where Larry lived. But she just assumed it was just like, you know, somewhere close by. But that's how I ended up going to Vegas for my first hardcore show, which was a pretty interesting experience. And I definitely love going there for shows. So I uh, think back and that, that's what that kind of stuff reminds me of. Yeah, I, I'm like. I still, to this day, there's there's something kind of magical about traveling to a show. I mean, even like being in my 30s, like there's something really awesome about going like a couple of states over to go to a show. Uh, it, it just, I feel like uh, maybe because you don't have that comfort of like the, the typical environment that you're used to and the people that you're used to seeing, it kind of like, it can have that same excitement level and the almost like that feeling of danger because uh, I mean, you don't know the nature of the people that are around you, so it just kind of it feels new again. Um, I don't know that that to me that's what's always like beautiful, and I think that's what's like beautiful being in a band playing in a new spot. Like it's it's a it's a whole new experience. Every scene has its similarities, but has its differences with who's there and everything else, and whatever culture surrounds that area. No, I, I definitely feel that uh, I like most recently traveled to uh to tampa for um fya and i'd never been there before for fya like i, I was there a, a couple months prior for uh this band point of contact they had their record release show which i think today is the one year anniversary of that so that was like it was like an insane show and it was um pretty like interesting for me because i um had always heard good things about florida hardcore and people talked about that I need to get down to an actual Florida hardcore show, like something outside of the fest to see what it's really like. And just by circumstance, I was able to 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 make it to the show. And it was um, uh, it was like a, an interesting situation because it had been like the first time in a long time me going somewhere brand new, uh, going to a show for the first time in this area. And I knew like a handful of kids, like knew some of the people playing in the bands, but not like super well. Like, you know, we're, we're friends on the Internet. They've been on the podcast before, but 
uh, you know, not super close. And then even like the guy that took me down, um, he's a buddy. Uh, but like it was my first time meeting him in person. So I was like, dude, this whole thing is like insane to think about that. I'm like, you know, here on the other side of the country going to a show. Like I took off from the vacation that I was actually on with like my friends to go with these other friends. It was just like a, a really interesting situation, but I was really glad that I did it. Cause I was able to just kind of go and just like observe and like participate and just like, you know, be in this whole new environment that I'd never been in before. And it was like this, uh, just crazy feeling that like you don't get too often. Cause I'm here, I, you know, like, I've gone to shows all across Southern California and it's always fun, but it's just, uh, you don't really have that new feel anymore because this is just something that you do all the time. So it's normal to you. Yeah. It's the same group everywhere you go. And I, I think that that's, what's uh, neat about like going into a new place. I think sometimes too, you just want to be, be of another face in the crowd and just observe too. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Uh, even when I was at the fest, like there was like tons of people, but I, I just felt like, you know, I was like, cool. Like I'm not from here. I don't really know like the majority of the people here. So I can just, you know, hopefully just kind of just be another face in the crowd and, uh, you know, just um, enjoy myself and, you know, just try to have a good time and not really have to worry about like other stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you feel of yourself of, of like social responsibilities in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, for me, like, like even like like when I go to shows out here w- with friends, I'll just kind of go and just do my own thing because I'm I'm not like I I wouldn't say I'm antisocial, but it's just like I I just don't like being around a lot of people, and I'm not like um someone who's like uh you know uh, wanting to be like the center of attention. Like I'll just you know say hi, cool. If, if we're friends, cool. Like you know obviously like I'll I know you like we've hung out whatever, but I'm not like going to the show to just like go and like socialize. I, I just, yeah. I'm mainly there for the music because I, I just love going to hardcore shows. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just kind of keep to myself. I get that. Okay, so y- you uh, moved to Philly, and uh, was it the idea to to start a band or uh, how that whole thing come together? Um. So when I first moved to Philly, I was like shortly after high school, and I mean mainly it was just so I could be independent like i was going to school i was going to school for sound engineering and music recording and i just wanted to be in a new place and uh towards the end of me finishing up my schooling i uh i started a band like a straight edge band called petition with ian who's also in sunstroke with me and we were together for a couple years we did a couple of tours uh we released like an ep and a and we had recorded a couple songs that like we basically put out as a promo ourselves like a diy promo that we had on tour but uh we were supposed to do a split and record an lp after that and we broke up like right in the middle of everything but uh yeah it was fun and then after that i i moved uh i moved to new york for a couple of years and i was up there and i I uh, was trying to make recording as like a career happen. Didn't really, uh, didn't feel the passion for it as a career as I do as like a, like a hobby or like putting that time in with my own band. So it was like uh, recording is awesome. And I love being in a studio more than just about anything, but um it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't going to be a career for me. So I wanted to learn a trade. So I moved back to Philly and I became a barber in about six months after I came back to Philly and learned really quickly and build up a clientele. And that's what I've been doing the last eight years now. Okay. 
And do you still record bands on the side or do you just not do that anymore? I haven't in a long time. And a lot of it is like my life's like a little bit busier, but I'll use the time in the studio when my band's there, like when Sunstroke's in a studio, there's nothing that like I enjoy more than kind of like finding a way to be a part of the recording process. But I also feel like I still have a ton to learn. So like when we recorded with Brian McTernan a couple of years ago to record Bloom at Night, it was like, it was such a great experience because it was one, somebody who's put out a bunch of records that I love not just the music, but like, I love the sonics of a lot of what he's recorded, especially the stuff that he's done over like the last 15 to 20 years. All of that stuff, like it sounds really good. So finding out and watching him get like the drum sound that he gets, you know, and like all of that stuff, it just, I feel like I love being somebody who's observing, but also like, putting in my two cents and be like, Hey, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? What mic do you want to use on this? And kind of like, uh, you know, trying to absorb as much of that of, uh, as possible because they still do have a deep interest in it, but, uh, trying to make sure that it, it's something that, you know, that I, I keep my head into is, yeah. uh, is more so what I try to do now. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I like I've learned everything like that I do with the podcast like through like YouTube and reading stuff on Reddit and just like trial and error basically just trying to get things right. So I I'm always interested and uh, part of me like wants to uh, maybe take like, you know, recording and mixing all this stuff like a little more seriously but just like to benefit the the podcast because that's like you know what i like really care about so um it, i find it like interesting like when i watch like youtube videos or like when i listen to certain bands and uh what when i when i can tell things about like the way they recorded it or if, if things just sound off to me I, i'm just like really curious i'm like man like I, I wish i could just ask like why do they do it this way and like or like why doesn't it sound better because uh, there's like some like you know professional like YouTube videos that I watch, and I'm just like, dude, why is it the the audio is so fucking noisy? And it's like, yeah. I, it's like I know that th with just a little bit of effort they could have made it like a lot better, but it's just like you know they just didn't. And I was like, this is so weird. I think so much of it too is is just like experience and like wanting to make it better. I feel like there's there's a lot of people who they'll get it to like the stage where it's passable, and then then they're good. Like that's, that's all that it matters is that it's passable and that it's audible and people can hear it. But like, if you, if you kind of approach it more like a craft, then you're going to continue to build yourself every time. So, yeah, it's sometimes I listen to bands and like, they'll have like rough recordings and I get it that it's like, you know, certain style that they're going for. They, they want to sound a certain way. But part of me is just like, man, like, I wonder what it would sound like if they actually, like, you know, recorded it, like, you know, like with like, like you know, good quality and like, I'm, um, you know, not yeah. wanting it to sound that rough. But uh, it's like, all right, whatever. I was like, I, I guess I, this is the way that it's supposed to be. But I'm always just curious, like, man, like, I feel like this would be better if like you could just like turn up the vocals just a little bit or, you know, had like just like a little bit cleaner <laughs> stuff. When you're like, uh, man, I would love to hear what this band would sound like in a real studio. Like, <laughs> Yeah, or, or like, sometimes so often. Yeah, or or sometimes like you'll hear a band on a record and they're like, "All right, cool, like they sound okay," but then you hear them live and you're like, "Okay, this sounds way better live," you know. So it's just like, or like uh, the opposite, like you know, the band will sound bad live. Like I remember one time I went to this show and I'm uh, there's this band of uh, Fireworks. 
they're they're playing that night and i i love that band so much and i was hyping them up to, to my buddy john i was like yo this band's so sick like you got to get into them and they just had like an off night which was weird to see and hear and he kind of looked at me he was like dude these guys sound crappy live and i was like just trust me just go home and listen to them like you know on record they sound way better and then like he got back to me he's like yeah he's like i don't know why they sounded so weird live but yeah they're like really good on record but yeah it, it happens i got a i got a funny story about that band okay so uh when my old band petition we recorded our demo and like right after we recorded it um one of the guys that was in our band was like hey there's this like show happening wherever in new jersey if you guys want to go and we we're like nah, not really like it was like a bunch of pop punk bands we're like nah and uh our guitar player ian who's in uh, sunstroke too just goes yeah I, the only reason i want to go to a show right now is if we play and like i jokingly said why don't we just go and play and so we go to this show in new jersey and literally just have all our gear in my truck and we just start carrying it in acting like we're playing the show and in between uh, like bands we just set up all our shit and we just played a quick set and uh, at the end of our set we covered absentee debate by uh by unbroken and all the guys from fireworks are there and they just like lost their shit to it and they went off and that's how we became friends with that fan so uh yeah i became friends with like tim and uh chris from that band from just covering unbroken on a whim playing a show that we weren't even playing so okay so wait so i'm just curious you guys just showed up with your gear set up and nobody questioned you guys no not (laughs) not a single person the one person that like knew who we were was kind of running the show but like we didn't talk to him beforehand we just like walked in and set up and he was just like all right go ahead like go ahead i was like okay cool okay that's some crazy confidence to just show up at, to this pop punk show to and just uh you know uh, hope that you guys could play and it actually um you know worked out that's insane i mean it was like in a vfw it wasn't like a like a big it, venue yeah no but still just just to show to, to some show that you guys weren't even on the bill or um even scheduled to play i, I think that's insane that, that that's crazy um do you want to hear okay so i i want to share a, a cool fireworks story with you because I, I i'm still a fan of that band to this day um they were on tour and, and this is like like early on like i, I think they just still had their ep out they, they hadn't even put out um the, their first full length um and they were touring and they were either uh going up to like la or they're going down towards arizona i, I can't remember because this is like when i was still living in the palm springs area and my buddy Carlos, a uh, huge fan of the band as well, he messaged, and this is back on MySpace. He he messaged them and was like, "Yo, I noticed you guys have an off date. Like, would you be down to play in my garage? Like, I'll pay you guys. Like, like whatever. Like, I just want to like book you guys here." And they were super down. They're like, "Yeah, like we don't care. Like, it's an off date. Like, we'll do it. Like, uh, we didn't have any other plans." So we put together like this last minute show. It was in my friend's garage. It was uh, fireworks. And I was supposed to be this other pop punk band from L.A. or Pomona or somewhere. They're called like Truth Is. And they dropped off like last second. And then it was my um, this band that I was in at the time was a hardcore band. And it was uh, just us that played with fireworks. Like, like my band played first. And it was just embarrassing because it was just all of our friends and everybody was just standing around. And we we're playing in, a, in my friend's garage where we practice. So I was like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. But then fireworks played and uh, they were like the nicest guys ever. Like fireworks played in like everybody that was there like knew all the words so just like being in a garage with like 30 kids that knew all the words to all the fireworks songs at the time and just like the energy was like insane 
And after they finished playing, they're like, oh, cool. Like, do you guys want to go out and eat with us? So we all just went to In-N-Out and just like hung out with them. It was, it was like so insane for like me being in like, I, I think I was like probably just graduated high school and just like playing. We just played a show in my friend's garage with like this a band who we thought were like, you know, was big at the time, but you know, they eventually got yeah. bigger, but it was just like such a cool thing that they were so down to just come on their off day and play in this garage and took whatever money that we gave them. Like, I, I don't even think it was a lot of money to be honest, but like the fact that they were just like super down and they were like good guys, it was just like, you know, such an awesome like memory. Yeah, that, that's the one thing I, I can definitely say. Like, all those guys were always, always really awesome to us. And every time they came around here, they, they tried to get us uh, involved in their show. And, like, they were like, do you mind playing in, like, with a pop punk band? I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, I just want to hang out with you guys. So I'll play whatever show it is. So that was cool. Okay. So um, you sing for Sunstroke and you guys uh, put out your first release in 2017. Uh, how long was the band together before uh, seven came out? Um, we started in the fall of 2016. So okay. like, uh, like September, I think of 2016 when we had our first practice and we were just getting together once a week and kind of like just writing and, uh so we were together for a few months and then we recorded in early february of uh 2017 we recorded seven and at the time it was just everything we had and uh we didn't really have any plans of like playing a show or anything like that like we literally were just it was a reason for like friends to get together and write and then we played our first show that june so we played our first show like almost a year after we had been together and started writing. And when you guys were forming the band, um, obviously you guys always get grouped up with having that, you know, that revolution summer sound. Like, um, <laughs> is that what you guys were going for in the very beginning or just, um, did it just happen that way? Um, I don't, I don't know if it was like, like insanely intentional, but, um, I mean, we named ourselves after a Swizz song and, like the first, the reason why that name happened was two reasons. Uh, Dave, who was our original drummer, he and I used to work at a record store together. And we used to always talk about um, like doing a band called Sunstroke. And I was like, yeah, I'm down, I'm down, I'm down. And it just like never came together. And then um, Ian came over to my house and wrote a song with me. And afterwards he was like, it kind of sounds like a Swiss song. We should just call ourselves Sunstroke. And I was like, Woods. this is like fucking two signs mm -hmm. you know pointing to it and i was like all right cool and then um we started writing more and i was just like kind of pushing for like more melodic content and uh it just kind of happened that way i mean like all of us really like a lot of that like rev summer stuff like rain and rights of spring and embrace dag nasty like a lot of that mid to late 80s discord stuff in general not just the 85 rev summer stuff but um just like mid to late 80s discord was like a huge starting point and and something that we all agreed on but we were also all really into like that 80s minneapolis stuff like who's doing the replacements and we're all Britpop people so like all of that stuff combined like ian gets a lot of like guitar melodies from from like the cure and like Billy Duffy from the cult as much as he does from like Michael Hampton of embrace. Like it's not, 
it's not just like that rev summer stuff it's coming from everywhere but you know i guess like through the lens of hardcore it's it's it'll get lumped in with that which is i mean i don't i don't really care <laughs> it's if people like it it's cool i don't care what they call it you know i'm a huge fan of the suicide file so um when i started listening to you guys i was like damn i was like i, I can hear uh, some like I, to me it sounds like there's like some influencer i don't know if there is but i was like okay like um it kind of reminds me of uh you know some of that and I, I i love that band so i feel like um you know since i'm already a fan of that kind of sound when i was listening to you guys i was like damn this is something that i can definitely get behind so i i, I was definitely uh, you know digging your guys's records when i first started listening to you guys i love that band and i love i love like neuroge's work but uh i don't think that it was like uh like an intentional influence but i think just like a maybe just like a an environmental influence like i think all of us like the suicide files so Mm -hmm. i mean it's not necessarily out of the realm of uh what uh, like i i don't think that any of us go into it like with a super specific influence like we just want to write songs and like more of a song structure we don't want to rely on like having mosh parts or anything like that there's no knock on that i just like i like writing more driving songs at this point in my life mm-hmm. i'm like in my 30s and i don't really i don't know i i want i want people to pay attention to specific things that are maybe slightly away from like damn that part's hard or like what kind of moves they can do to it um that doesn't mean that i don't like that kind of stuff it's just like for me like what i want to write i want to write songs in a certain kind of structure and I want I want the focus to be on like the lyrics and the melodic content a little bit more than the uh, how heavy a mosh part is. No, and I I think that's awesome because there's uh, I, I feel like uh, when people listen to hardcore, like obviously uh, being there in person, like being in that environment, moshing all that, it, it's fun, it's cool, but also um, I, I I hope people don't forget that you know bands actually do have a message, so uh, sometimes. Uh, you got to actually, you know, dive into those lyrics and uh, read them and try to understand them and to see what like you guys are actually talking about. So I, I think that that is important. And I, I like that you take that aspect serious because it's um, cool that you understand that you're in this position where um, the things you say, you know, can, um, you know, impact and affect people. And um, obviously, like, you know, that's something that's important to you. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Can you talk about so? You guys released seven, uh, and uh, like the following year, you guys uh, put out second floor slash seven. So you just kind of, um, you know, had uh, was it three newer songs, and you just um, had the, uh, and you just combined what you guys put out from seven. Yeah. So originally we were just like releasing it as a promo, and um, like we, I think we had played three shows by the time that we had recorded that. Okay. I think. It, like it, we barely played at all and uh it was still kind of very much the same mentality it was just kind of like you know whatever we'll play whenever but we just want to write the stuff and then um like right after we put it out there uh we put like the promo out there and nick from new morality zine like reposted it and was talking about how he liked it and wanted to interview us for the zine and i was like oh shit okay and then like Two days after that, uh, Indy from Coin Toss emailed me and asked if we wanted to put out a record. And then he talked with Nick, and then they kind of like joined together. And 
asked me like what I wanted to do. And I was like, why don't we like, I feel like nobody knows who we are. Why don't we just put it out all together? And so that's how it kind of like became an LP, but it's, you know, it's really, it's just two separate entities, which is why it's separated the way it is on the record. Like if, uh, if you have a physical copy of the record, the A side is just second floors, the three songs. And then the B side is the seven songs from seven. So it's, uh, it's weird because it's, it's like it's almost like a lopsided record and it plays at two different speeds and there's all kinds of wild shit with the record but yeah um okay yeah, yeah. I, i'm like yeah I'm, I'm like a total noob when it comes to records like i've uh had friends and roommates who are like you know diehard record collectors and i get it because i collect comic books and I, yeah. and I, I'm just now collecting like, so I, I just got into K-pop, which is like my new, like my newest hobby of like being like, you know, quarantined and not being able to go out and do stuff like go to Disneyland or whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, let me try to invest my time into other stuff. And I just started getting into K-pop and then, uh, you know, like they sell like their like albums, like they, they do CDs, like not vinyl, yeah. like, like some people, some bands, some artists will do vinyl, but it's not like a big thing in like that community. So, uh, they do like, uh, these crazy, like, you know, packaging for all their CDs, like these like crazy booklets. And like, I've, I've spent like probably like, way too much money during the, the, these past few months on all these like uh k-pop bands like bands that i'm like super fans of and like trying to like play catch up as well like going to like the the backlog and seeing um you know what records i can actually track down because like these are um you know bands straight from korea not really uh, a big presence here in the states so i have to like go and find like the local k-pop store there's like two that i go to like one will have like a lot of like the modern stuff and it's not like a big selection but then there's like another one that's just like dedicated to just music and they have like everything it's insane that's awesome Okay, so that was yeah, that was my rant. But uh, uh, I was stoked to hear about um, numerality zine and coin toss because I was curious about how like that whole thing came together. Because uh, like I mentioned earlier, I had uh, uh, Nick on from numerality zine, and I, I always uh, love the bands that he works with. I, I think he's uh, you know like one of those brilliant minds out there that's uh, kind of like like on the ball. Like when, when it comes to newer bands, I, I feel like he has like a, a, a really good, like, you know, sense of, uh, um, you know, who's like doing good things. And his taste in music, I, I think is awesome as well. Yeah. I, like, I, I think from jump, I really, really enjoyed working with him just because like, he seems to have his like ear to the ground and, uh, really takes into consideration everything that's going into it. And I mean, at heart, I mean, he is exactly like, anybody else that's into this music he's just putting out records and he's only putting out records that he likes and that's the thing that i think is like so cool about it is like it's never felt like business it's always felt like yo what you're doing is really cool uh what can i do to like be a part of it with you guys Uh um like and that's that's the it's literally the most genuine like relationship that i have involving music is is with him it's just like uh you know he'll be honest with you and and he also it only wants to put out records that he likes or or is like he likes and also thinks has value outside of just what they are on their own you know like putting a physical version of it out there documenting it matters to him and i think that that's something that's really cool and invaluable i think for anybody that's in a band it's like you know, you can record and release anything now and, uh, but holding a physical version of your record, it, 
it's a lot different and more work goes into it and putting together artwork and lyric sheets and stuff like that. It really makes you kind of put a little bit more effort forth and uh, I think put in the care that uh, that can really make that stuff awesome. And I think a lot of bands are doing a really good job with packaging now. I mean, that new Millspec record came with like a whole like zine with it. And I think that's like one of the fucking coolest things is like seeing bands kind of take packaging to a different level and, and kind of making it um, like a, a record, a whole experience rather than just like something that you listen to while going for a run or walking through your neighborhood or whatever it is. I a hundred percent agree with that. Cause I feel like, and going back to the K-pop again, uh, I feel like that's why like I'm so okay with buying their CD, even though like I, I still have a CD player in my car, but I don't like even on my computer, I don't have a disc drive. The only place I can listen to that CD is in my car. Um, but I, I have no problem spending the money on those things just because of um, what comes with it. Because it, it's more than just the the the, the CD. Obviously, they put a lot of um, effort into like these like photo shoots, and there's like these exclusive like um, photo cards and um, like lyric sheets and stuff. So it, it's yeah, I feel like when it's um, when's that, and when you know you're getting like a ton of like cool stuff coming with it, like it, it's like so much. Um, I feel like it's, it's easier for me to spend my money on that versus just buying like oh, it's just a record in like like a sleeve and like you know that's it. Yeah. And so. So I, I can definitely see that. And I, you know, it's cool to hear that, uh, you know, like bands like Millspec are uh, putting more effort into that and trying to, you know, include more stuff and have it like be like a little more special. Yeah. Because you think about it, um, your record only comes out once unless you like reissue it. But that's like, I feel like that might take away from like uh, the, the first time. So like, it, it's cool. It's cool that they're doing that. Yeah. I, I love when people are like deliberate with art as well. Like, uh, um, and I think that that's like one of the, the spaces that we're, we're trying to, I think now that we realize that we're putting, like, we're going to be putting records out, uh, being very deliberate and like intentional with what our art is and everything. I think that that came with doing bloom at night, like, we knew what we wanted that record to be like um, and we wanted to keep it at that. And when it came time to do a cover, like I, I contacted a friend of mine that's a painter and I was like, here's the title. Uh, here's some of my ideas, but I want you to do, do with that what you will. So it was like, like more of a collaborative thing, less of me saying, Hey, like, do this do this for art like make the make the album cover this and like you know i i i have the painting that is the front cover and like our drummer uh has like the the rear artwork like the the other paint so i mean like that's one of those things that like i really want to keep that as a focus is like um the art goes along with the record just as much like it's not it's not like a separate thing it's not just the like a card for it. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I totally get that. There's definitely been times where a record uh, from a band that I don't even, that I didn't know at the time caught my eye just because I thought the artwork was cool. And that led me to like, okay, if the artwork is cool or interesting to me, the least I could do is give it like a chance to check it out. 
and I've found like so many cool records that way. So I, I think it is important to have, uh, you know, good artwork and obviously good, uh, you know, it's subjective to whoever's, uh, you know, in the band or whatever. But yeah, just I feel like um, people should take that stuff um, into consideration and take it more serious. Just like it represents yep. your record because that's what everybody's going to see before they even hear it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that first impression, if you can draw somebody in with a first impression, it's really cool. You know, I think that, I mean, the reason why I, I, I purchased the Roar cassette was I looked at the, like the, the Bad Brains record and it was just like the most like striking image I think I'd seen at that point. I mean, it's a, you know, a, a cartoon looking, but like a lightning bolt striking the Capitol building. And it was like, I fucking need to hear this. Like, I, I don't know what it's going to sound like at all, but I feel like I, I love it already without hearing one note from it, just because this artwork is, is like sucking me in. Yeah. It's, it, it's cool that, you know, just, uh, artwork like that can do that. And I, I, I think it's cool that you guys, uh, you know, took the time to, to go out and do that. Can you, um, talk about what the cover means to you? Like the, the, the painting. Um, so when I, I disclosed with Mike, the guy that did the painting, um, what Bloom and Night was like all about. And like that record was uh, like more so like very personal to me, like the lyrically um, themed is, is like a, just about like struggling with mental health and like the idea of like the title Bloom and Night is, is to kind of get to a point of growing and, becoming more of yourself through um, an unlikely time, like usually a time of struggle. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of flowers that bloom in darkness. And that was kind of the mentality behind it all. Um, so that was kind of how I, I prefaced it to him. And I was just like, I would like you to use cool tones with it. But um, like I, when I first saw the, the painting that, eventually became the artwork he he presented us with like five different paintings and two of them we ended up using um but when i first saw it i i saw that one and immediately like felt every feeling that went into writing that record um and it was just kind of like man like that that is hitting the nail right on the head for me is like that feeling of um being in the middle of of a time period of you feel like nothing could go right and you, you recognize a, a light at the end of the tunnel and that you can kind of push through on your own um, or push through with the help of others. I mean, like that record's got a bunch of different angles to it, but all in all, it's about struggling with mental health to kind of get yourself straight. So. And you mentioned the lyrical content. Yeah. Cause it seemed on like the, the second or the second release slash first release, um, you talked about uh, you know things going on in the world, and then when it came to um, Bloom at Night, it seemed like a little more um, personal, like in- introspective. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't like uh, intentional until we started writing those songs. Like I had written two songs lyrically for Bloom at Night, and I felt like I still had a lot to write, like regarding everything that I had kind of gone through in a certain time period. And I felt like I needed to dedicate the entire release to that for me. I wanted to keep it fluid and I wanted to keep it along those lines. Um, And that honestly 
that that time period kind of started with the end of all the second floor stuff like dominic and second floor are both very deep like mental health songs um richard spencer was a song that i had written before we started writing the songs for second floor like we'd spent like six months not really doing a whole lot but we had already written richard spencer like we played richard spencer at our first show Mm -hmm. so it was already it was already a song so it just kind of got thrown in and then um like i said as soon as i started writing the songs for bloom at night i got like two in and i was like I just want to make this like a, an EP and have it all follow the the theme of of mental health. Like I've got plenty of songs to write about the world, but so does everybody else, you know. And and I just felt like I needed to, to write about my own experience. So okay, no, I I think that's that's awesome because obviously I like some of the uh, topics that you covered on the you know first and second release, but I, I feel like it it, it it's interesting to hear somebody um you know write about personal stuff because obviously like we all go through um, our, our own things so um just reading your lyrics and uh, trying to um, you know try to like understand like what you're going through when you're writing that stuff or even trying to find um, you know lines that i could even relate to so i uh find that like pretty interesting but uh, going back uh to the first i, I keep saying first and second release because obviously like you know the, i'm there i'm on both but uh there's that song i'm um, revival if you can talk okay. yeah because i i feel like that one sticks out to me because obviously the, there's some like other ones like obviously um pr- procedure uh 20311 like that's like you know intense but um but i was just curious about like what um revival i'm like you know means to you and like how that song came about uh so uh i had gone through a really difficult like a uh, breakup and like it was a long time coming Mm -hmm. uh but uh i had become friends with who is now my wife and um it was just like a very natural and organic like friendship in the beginning and it just kind of developed into uh recognizing that we both wanted to spend our lives together Mm -hmm. um and that's like the only love song i think i've ever written but yeah it's it's about her and i relationship and where where I was like leading up to it. And it just kind of was like the first thing in a long time that made sense to me. Yeah. That's awesome. I but- did get at, I did get asked by somebody if it was about Jesus and it's not about Jesus. <laughs> okay. Not about Jesus. It's about, it's a love song. It's not about Jesus. Get it right. Okay. That's awesome. No, I, I feel like now I, I like that song even more now, now that I know that um, what it's about actually. Okay. That's awesome to hear. Hell yeah. Um, so going to um, bloom at night i i think the name is awesome i love the the title track but i feel like for me the song that sticks out is uh aloof can you talk about oh yeah i i, I just that that's the track when i, when I hear it, i'm like okay this is this is my jam right here uh yeah it's a it's a personal uh like bitter song um it was written about like a, a certain relationship with a, with a family member that kind of like uh, ties were cut and mm-hmm. it, it just kind of like, a, uh, it's, a, it's about somebody else's over-reliance on you that becomes a detriment to them and I didn't want to be involved in it anymore. So just uh, wanting to be left alone. For sure. Yeah. 
that song's awesome uh and the last track you guys did a cover i, I was curious why you guys chose that song obviously there's like a, a ton of bands you guys could have picked from but i was just curious why you guys went with that particular song um we started we started covering that live like uh that winter and like we really liked it and we liked playing it and we just really wanted to record it so we recorded it and we thought it sounded good so we just went with it and kept it on the on the record and I, I, I'm always curious because uh, do you have to get permission for that kind of stuff or do you guys just kind of put it out there or? Um, I did send an email like to, to Discord and um, I have to send them some copies of the EP. But yeah, that, that was basically, they just want it for archival purposes. Okay. They were cool. That's it. Hell yeah. Because sometimes I, I know, um, you know, uh, things, you know, can become an issue but the fact that they're cool and they just wanted wanted some copies of it hell yeah that yeah. that's super sick I, i'd be like more than willing to send some copies over yeah i mean from every every person that i know that spend time around him personally ian mckay is just like a uh he's an archival nut like he has everything like every flyer every record everything like everything that's that's come out of discord and come out of his bands he has at least like one of it's it's insane. Oh yeah, no, that, that that's sick. I, I think it's important. I I, I was talking about how I uh, you know love just like taking pictures or just like videos, just like of like you know things that I really enjoy, like you know on my phone, just so I can just have it because you know I'll t- snap a photo, shoot a video, whatever. Then it gets like uploaded to the cloud, and I don't have to think about it, but. Uh, there's those times where I'm just like, you know, randomly, if like I have a random like thought about that day, or if I want to go back and like, you know, remember that day, it's there for me. So I, I think it's really important to, you know, document that kind of stuff or just anything that you care about. Oh yeah. So 2020, uh, strange year for everybody. Uh, but I was curious, um, does Sunstroke have any new music, um, you know, in the works? Are you guys like going to write a, a full length? You guys going to do another EP? All right. So, uh, yeah, it's been a weird year because every everywhere that we were kind of heading towards and trying to do kind of got cut off like in March. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were supposed to do a couple dates with uh, that band Somerset Thrower in the spring. Oh, and dude, that-, that band is... <laughs> That band is so sick. I, I feel like not not enough people talk about that band, but I, I'm a huge fan of that band, and I can't wait to hear their new record. Um, we were supposed to do some like a, a small run of shows, like, um, possibly out of the country this year, and that didn't happen. So mm-hmm. everything kind of kind of got shifted. So I didn't want to lay completely dormant. So we did a record release version of Bloom at Night, just like you know, online, we listed it and they sold really quickly and we donated the money to uh, a women's organization in Philly. Um, And uh, we raised some money with like t-shirts and stuff like that. But uh, we're doing a split seven inch with that band Bent Blue from San Diego um, that uh, we have yet to record still. So uh, that all that will be happening over the next couple weeks to a month. Uh, and then, you know, a formal announcement will come. Um, we're also going to be recording other songs when we record uh, for that session that we're going to release a single probably like in the spring, summer. And uh, we are in the middle of like writing uh, a proper full length. So that's like the big goal. I think that everything else is like kind of as up in the air as, as 
anything right now because I feel like you, you don't have the promise of playing any shows. Um, we got asked to do like a live stream that uh, we're going to figure out how to schedule. Uh, one of our guitar players had a baby in April and I have a child coming in a, in a couple of weeks. So everything schedule wise is a little crazy right now, but mm-hmm. those are the, those are the real plans. The split with the bent blue um, guys from San Diego, the, uh, the single in the spring, and then also um, writing that full length and hopefully getting to record it by summer or next fall. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that you guys have at least, uh, you know, like a, a solid set of plans and obviously, uh, you know, things in the world can change and maybe um, open up sooner than later and, you know, just kind of get the train rolling again. Cause that, yeah, that, that, that's crazy to hear that you guys are, um, you know, maybe going to do some stuff out of the country. Have you guys ever played outside of the United States? Uh, not with Sunstroke. I mean, Sunstroke's only played like maybe 25, 30 shows. Like we haven't played a lot. Uh, so, I mean, the, the goal was like all of us had been in bands that toured before. Mm-hmm. So we were of more of the mindset of like, let's do things that we didn't get a chance to do with other bands. And also like, this is the, like a band that uh, got more attention than, than I think any of us expected. Like we weren't expecting really any attention from in anybody except for our friends. So the fact that other people kind of like started asking about it, we're like, well, like, why don't we like, I don't need to play like a bunch of shows on the East coast or, or in New York or Philly or Baltimore or whatever, like play shows here and there is fine. But like, I want to do like three shows on the West coast and get to see some friends that I don't see very often. I want to play, you know, a couple of shows in Europe uh, because um, a, like we sell a lot of records in Europe and also like it would be really cool because none of my other bands ever played Europe. So like, I mean, I, I played in like Canada, I played all over North America, but I never got a chance to, you know, tour over in Europe. So I wouldn't mind doing like just like a week over there and play a handful of shows. No, I, I totally get that because I feel like uh, these days I I, I want to just try to uh, do things that I've never done before or for the first time, you know, because uh, our life isn't guaranteed. So I, I just want to make the most of it. So I totally get, um, you know, I, I'm surprised that I'm like you mentioned, like you guys probably played like around 25 shows. That doesn't sound like a lot for a band that's been, you know, around since like 2017 it's 2020 now so that that is crazy to hear um did you so obviously that that, was that by design for you guys to not be super active because you because where you're at in philly and like you know all the other surrounding scenes like you know delaware like not that far of a drive and you know thriving scenes like tons of cool bands to play with so i'm just really curious like why you guys have played so little uh we i mean like we all have full-time jobs which you kind of makes it a little bit more difficult uh my wife and i have a seven-year-old um you know it's like a we all have like i think a like a more regular life but uh i don't i don't want to play every weekend like this isn't this isn't a band that uh like our goal isn't to to tour and to see how far we can take it like that way Mm -hmm. um we want to like write and put out the records that we want. And like, we love playing live, but um, 
also recognize like our limitations with some stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, I'd be cool to do like a week over in Europe and then maybe not play, you know, maybe only play like two or three other shows that summer. And that's fine by me, but I would rather, you know, get a chance to cash in on some of the experiences that we can have. I think like regular touring and stuff like that, it's, it's for a lot of the younger bands um, and bands that are just pro at doing it. You know, like I think that there's plenty of bands that have been together for a long time that are going to tour and they're going to go out there and grind. And I think that's awesome. But, you know, it makes me happier to see bands like One Step Closer and like Anxious and like some of the younger bands out there, like really gritting it out and doing like full U.S. tours. I think that's more necessary. And they're speaking more to like directly to a younger generation than a band like us, which I think I still think that we can have an impact and we still can have those kids pay attention to us. But. I think it's more necessary for a band like that to be out there touring. I think, you know, we do a handful of shows every year and make those shows count. I feel like a band like that, like, like anxious and once up closer, like they're, they're a band that's bringing out just like that whole experience. And I think that that's awesome. For sure. No, I'm, I, I, I can recognize like um, you guys being like a little more rare, but which is totally fine. Cause like, you know, like, like you mentioned, you guys like, you know, have jobs, um, you know, kids on the way or um, have kids. So I, I, I totally understand. And um, it, it's cool that you understand like your position and um, you kind of know what you want to do with the band. So like, I, I see no problem with it. So I, I, I feel like um, knowing that I, people got to, I feel like appreciate you guys while they can or, or see you guys whenever they can. Cause like, you know, that opportunity is not always going to be there. Yeah. No. I, and like, I, I just like enjoy the fact that we get to play shows. And like, I think we also were a lot like choosier with stuff. Like I want to play shows with my friends and bands that I like, like that, that's like the, the main goal for me is like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on like, super big shows or like take every show that's offered to us. I just want to play a show that's going to be enjoyable for us to play. Like, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that we might have a place in playing it. Um, I know that a lot of bands, like, especially when they first start, it's like, and I agree with this, like, man, take, take as many shows as you can, as you guys can and whatever makes sense. But I think for us, it's kind of just like, we'll play shows that, that, kind of fit the criteria that makes sense for us which is you know it ends up happening maybe once a month yeah no it's cool i'm i'm uh you know down for it because i i feel like i'm you know every band does it different there's not like a a single roadmap that every band has to follow because uh you know things work out in different ways for um you know different band so there's nothing like guaranteed so yeah i i I think it's cool that you guys just you know um just play what you want to play and i i totally respect that i think if you look at like the activity of a band like a mind force i think that that's that's like a similar kind of thing for us like we want to release physical stuff we want to kind of play when we can but like the prospect of us going on long tours is not really like a thing (laughs) <laughs> yeah no no to, to be fair I, I feel like that is uh like less common these days because um you know you mentioned uh one step closer uh anxious uh those bands are awesome they probably went on like the like the craziest full u.s tour 
um like two years ago was it two years ago yeah two years ago they like started at like the have heart reunion ended it like this is hardcore or something crazy like that which is uh, just wild to think about but um yeah i feel like uh things or, or bands are like it's more common to do regional stuff these days because it just makes more sense because like yeah everybody is busy or nobody wants to be on the road for that long because uh, you know being on the road for you know month at a time two months at a time it's it's a long time to be away so if you're able to just fly in uh to the east coast to the midwest to the west coast or uh do europe uh just get in get out i, I feel like that uh, is probably makes more sense and i totally get it yeah it's uh and uh like just to, to kind of like put like a little exclamation point on that like both of those bands like anxious and one step closer like they got a bunch of experience exposure out of some of those dates but like they gritted it out and they booked that whole thing themselves like they got a lot of love afterwards and they they deserve every little bit of it i mean like those those bands work their asses off to get you know to get to where they're at like so all respect in the world to both of those bands 100 100 percent. i feel like when I, because I've been around, I feel like I've been around forever. I, I've just you know, started going to shows in like 2002. Uh, and when, when bands like th- those two bands pop up and kind of just breathe new life into like this like newer generation, I'm like, all right, cool. This is going to be, you, hardcore is going to continue for, you know, a little while longer. I, I don't have to worry about it, you know, being in jeopardy. So yeah, no, love those bands and re- respect everything that they've done. Um, but man, we're living in a crazy world. It's uh, today is Monday, November 2nd. We're like, uh, you know, everybody's hoping, <laughs> uh, or I hope everybody's gone out and voted, um, you know, hopefully by now, or, you know, there's still a little bit of time left by the time this podcast comes out, um, you know, voting, uh, it's probably going to be over. Yeah. Cause this, this is going to come out on Thursday. So I'm really curious, like what things are going to be like. Uh, I, I, I see, people getting nervous and like people boarding up like you know shops and you know preparing for who knows what's going to happen uh are you going to be okay you're going to be safe you got any big plans um well uh i'll be i mean philly's been a little crazy oh yes we dude that totally slipped my mind I yeah I you know I follow and I have um, a lot of friends out there so I've, I've seen all the crazy stuff that's been going on which yeah that's that's insane I, that totally slipped my mind I didn't even think about that. So with that being said, a lot of places are already bordered up. Uh, I I mean there there's already I think that the tension here is probably more rooted in that than it is the election, mm-hmm. but the thing i think statewide is where a lot of the tension is because pennsylvania there's like two very different places i mean it's a battleground state um like here in pittsburgh are very very you know uh traditionally blue or whatever you want to call it and then uh the middle of the state is is very conservative so it's uh it battles against each other a lot um but like within the city i mean it's I, I feel like there's just the, a little bit of racial tension right now. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm hoping for answers and change, uh, but I feel like that kind of stuff's uh, a little bit of a slow boat. So I think the tension will kind of it'll remain until some some actual things change. But on the Philadelphia like ballot, there was a lot of 
police reform that was on there. So uh, I'm hoping that that's at least a start to some of it. I mean, I, I don't think that it's necessarily enough, but if it's a start, um, you can kind of continue to push and demand further change. So hopefully that, that that's a, hopefully that's a theme that'll kind of continue and spread across to some other States as well. I'm just curious. Uh, do you remember where you were on the night of the last election? Uh, yeah, actually I was at a, I was at a Philadelphia Flyers, Detroit Red Wings game with my kid. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, it was, you know, it was like a, uh, that's where my head was. And then like when I left, like I looked at my phone, I was like reading and, um, it was still like up in the air and, uh, I couldn't sleep that night. And then like, uh, you know, obviously later that night, I think everybody kind of, found like they you know all the like cnn and uh all the other news networks were just going through like all the probabilities and possibility of of the election not turning out the way that it did uh and then the next day it was like pouring rain in philadelphia and like i went to get coffee and there was just like people sobbing it was like uh quite literally one of the most bizarre 24 hours of my life uh yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I'm a straight white male. So, like, uh, from like a privilege standpoint, it didn't do a ton of harm to me directly, but like, I feel and see the harm that it can cause every day. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think back to that night. I was actually at work. I used to um, work. At, at this comic shop, I, I actually still shop at the same comic shop. It's owned, it's owned by one of my friends. So I, I remember we were just there. It was like a slow night, and uh, he's like, you know, it was his shop, so he was like doing some sort of like organizing or something. And I and he had these like couches, and I remember I was just like sitting on the couches, just like refreshing Twitter, just like you know trying to get like the latest news because that's like um, where I that's like my starting point for for news is like i'm on twitter i'm like okay cool like i'll, I'll see stuff that will like pique my interest and i'm like okay cool like i i can't you know uh you know just take it for what it is i have to go and like dig a little deeper to try to figure out what's actually going on because you know twitter is just a crazy place for for everything not just like news but you know this is just a wild place so that's just like my starting point and i'll just kind of branch out from there but yeah but i remember i, I was just there and just it was, it was definitely like a strange night um and it's crazy to think that it's been four years and like, here we are. And, you know, it is again, like, yeah, I, I don't even know, man. I'm, I'm just like really curious to see, see how things are going to play out. Like, obviously, um, I live here in Orange County uh, and Orange County is like a weird place because like when, when I moved here, I, I never really thought about the the politics because because i'm not like i'm not super into politics uh you know i i feel like i'm still trying to learn uh you know the different aspects i feel like you know i've like put my time to other things and now i'm just like trying to play catch up trying to like understand like you know all these things going on and moving here i just didn't even that wasn't even a thought like okay like what like political stance is like you know uh you know this area that i'm moving to but then like you know moving here and seeing how whacked out and crazy some of the people are and like realizing there's like a lot of people who support like um the side that you know the, 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 a lot of um trump supporters out here like he was here a couple week like a couple weekends ago there was like a fundraiser like down in newport beach for him and it was like a big deal trump being in orange county and 
it just like blew my mind. I'm like, damn, I didn't realize that there was like, you know, this many like people down here and you realize that I'm, I'm just like surrounded by a bunch of like racists and stuff. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. This blows my mind because I moved here to be closer to my friends, to be closer to Disneyland. I didn't even think about like, you know, this like, you know, like important aspect of like, you know, our lives. So it's, it's suddenly a, a trip to me now that I'm like, uh, like I'm obviously older and um, now I'm having to t- like take things, these things into account. And, you know, uh, and like, this is like the first time that I actually like took voting serious because before I, I just never really took it serious. But, you know, now it's just like, no, like we have to try to, uh, you know, make some change. And, you know, this is like, like a really important step. So I, I hope everybody listening, um, you know, th- by then it's going to be too late, but I hope everybody listening did vote and, you know, try to make some sort of change, you know, whichever side you're on, whatever. But, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you know, it's there for us to, you know, have a say. Yeah, it might be too late for the national election, but what it's not too late for is like things like direct action and at least paying attention to your like smaller community, which I think is the more important piece of everything. It's like, I mean, you can live in a community that's doing a lot more progressive things in that time. Um, Pay attention to your local, uh, you know, elections a little bit more and pay attention to what's going on in your local community. I think that that's probably the biggest thing is that you hope that voting in this national election for some people, whether it's the first time or the, you know, the 20th time that they're voting, it's, it's the, uh, having that mentality of like maybe putting forth an effort into whatever else is going on and understanding what elections you can vote in and what things you can vote on. Uh, being registered to vote doesn't mean just selecting you know, a president every four years that might not really affect your life. So, and I, I'm just curious, I, did you um, vote um, by mail-in or did you go to like an actual like polling center? Um, so I went to, there, there's a, an arts high school in Philadelphia that uh, they were basically doing the entire mail-in ballot process for you there. Okay. So you went there, filled out your application for it. And then they handed it to you and they sent you to like a little privacy booth to vote there. And then you put it in like a, a like a little ballot box when you leave. Um, and the next day you get an email letting you know that your vote was uh, received, your application was received and your vote was recorded. So, yeah, I mean, I voted on October 20th and found out that my vote was recorded on the 21st. Okay, that that's awesome. Uh, for me, I waited till like my ballot or my mailing thing came in my mailbox, and then I filled it out, and then I went and actually dropped it off at like a uh, you know a natural ballot box. I didn't mail it back just because that just seemed like a little like you know squirrely. So with all the issues going on with like the postal service, I was like, all right, I was like I just you know I, I just don't want any issues to come up. I don't want my vote to get lost in the mail since I'm actually you know putting some real effort. So I, I actually went and um, you know dropped it off. Uh, but I'm always curious, like, uh, like why can't we just vote online? Obviously, like people are scared about it, but it's just like I- I'm just like thinking about like, like how like you know everybody, well the majority of people have like access to the internet, like smartphones. Everybody has like an iPhone or an Android. And I- I'm I- I'm always curious, like, would more people participate if they're able to vote online? I think more people definitely would. I think the the security aspect is what everybody's nervous about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it does, pre- you know, it, it does present an interesting question. Like you can track your vote online, you can register online, you can do everything else online, but you can't actually 
cast your vote online. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I mean, like that's, that's probably uh, a whole like coding situation that's past my pay grade. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan, and his uh, he always falls back on like, how are we able to bank online? You know, that's like our like our our source of income. You know, like that's where like our money is. Like, how's it like? Yeah. You know, how does everybody feel okay? And like, uh, we're able to do that, but we can't, you know, vote online. So I and I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah, that that's so true because, uh, you know, to, to put so much trust into you know being able to access your money online, and obviously people yeah. have gotten hacked or whatever, but. Um, it, that happens. So I, I'm, I'm always curious if that, if we will ever get to that point, like, you know, will we be able to vote online at some point in the future? I think if you, if you look into, I mean, I feel like the, the best way to answer this question, right. Is, is to look into uh, if you can get like a, a number of how many people's or what percentage of people's uh, bank accounts uh, get hacked or messed with every year mm-hmm. and, that percentage and apply it to um like votes and be like if there was that percentage of voter fraud uh how would that look and i feel like that that, i mean that's a that doesn't answer anything except for maybe the reason why it's not happening yo i used to think that my bank account was in invincible (laughs) and uh it was like a long time ago i i said my my pin number on an episode of the podcast because I didn't care. I was like, nobody's gonna actually hack my bank account. So I, I said just my PIN number. I didn't give out like my number, like my actual card number or the expiration date or anything else. I just gave out my PIN number, and then within a week, my bank account was hacked and they took like eight hundred dollars from it. And I was just like, oh wow. I was like, that actually happened. Like I feel like an idiot now. Like I didn't think. First of all, I didn't think anybody listening was actually like, all right, cool. Like let's try to actually hack this guy's bank account, and take his money. Um, but then like, yeah, like what's usually like within a week, I, I got like this notification. Um, this is when I used to bank with bank of America and they're like, yo, uh, there was like a $800 like withdrawal from like Russia and I'm not even kidding. It was from Russia. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I've never been to Russia. And then I, and then I got into this big dispute with bank of America cause they tried to, um, say that it wasn't fraud and that it was me. And I was just like, this is BS. I've never been to the, that part of the world. So like, it couldn't have been me. Like we got to figure this out. And then I, I like had to wait, like, I think like a month or two to get my money back. Well, at least you got it back. Yeah, and but you know that. <laughs> but it was crazy. You know that there's people in the world that uh, are listening to your podcast that uh, yeah, so, somebody's will hack you. Yeah, so so at that point I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take it a little more serious, and I had to like I, I literally closed my bank account, and uh, since then I, I've switched banks twice, but not yeah. but not related because of no hacking, but just because I wanted to switch things up. But yeah, so I'm like two banks removed from Bank of America, so. So if the hackers are out there still listening, uh, I hope you had your fun. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I, I'm curious. Uh, what's your like day to day like? How are you staying busy during um, these these current times? Uh, so I'm a barber, and I I've been working uh, like uh, four days a week, probably for the last. A uh, month or so prior to that, I was working like here and there uh, at a different shop, um, like three days a week that I was at that place for eight years. And uh, other than that, I'm trying to help my kid with school online, which is uh, I feel like it's harder on me than it is on him. He's doing really well. Mm-hmm. 
it's a little tougher for the parental side and uh, trying to be the best possible husband I can with a pregnant wife, you know, like, yeah. so. No, dang. Yeah. It sounds like you like got a lot going on. I'm, I, I'm curious, was your job affected due to like the lockdown? Cause like, I know out here oh. in California, like, uh, you know, uh, barbershops, like my barber, um, he, he was, uh, you know, not working for, for a long time because of everything going on. Yeah, I've got uh, a friend that has uh, a shop over in uh, in Long Beach, like out by you, and okay. uh, he he had, he was like not working forever. Uh, I was out of work for three and a half months. So, damn, that's a long time, dude. I I just got back from vacation from work. I was off for like two weeks, and I felt like I felt like I was just starting a new job. Like today was my first day back, and I was like, damn, this is this is fucking weird. So to, to be off of work for three months, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I had to kind of like find ways to hustle and like, uh, you know, do little things on the side just to, to have money for rent and whatever else. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think having a good network of people that have supported you and whatever you're doing, uh, it always helps. So, I think that uh, if if we do head to a second shutdown, which I honestly think we will, uh, having that like list of people directly that uh, that I was in contact with before to kind of like make sure that I keep myself moving and get some stuff done. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be all right. But yeah, I definitely think that in the states we're we're going to be heading into a second shutdown. That's yeah, honestly, that's, that's something that I haven't even thought about because when, when I think back, like when, when I think back to mid March, and here we are, the beginning of November. Like I, I wouldn't have even thought that we, we'd be going this long because yeah, when things were first closing down, they're like, oh yeah, it's just you know two weeks, it'll be fine. We'll get we'll get through this, and then uh, you know spring passed, summer passed, and now we're like heading into fall. People talking about Christmas already. And I'm like, whoa, we're still on this. This is like, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. It seems like. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, uh, one of the worst things that you can do to yourself is, uh, expect things to be normal. You know, like it's, it's just like, uh, it's, it's not realistic at all. You know, I think when there, when public transmission is at what it is, um, you can't think that like, oh, well, I mean, soon it'll be normal and it can't be normal without like, like physically shutting things down for a, an extended period of time and like actually doing that. Yeah, I feel like for us to do it properly, like we would need obviously the the, the government to do like a like a better job at, at actually helping, <laughs> helping us like you know, do that because obviously uh a lot of people have been affected. A lot of people have lost jobs. So uh, for us to to go in like full shutdown, like we would definitely need some real support from the government. But I I just don't see that happening. So it's just like going into like another one, uh, another lockdown just seems like really scary because it's like damn, like we're, we're we're like barely you know getting through the first one, and it's been such a long period of time. So it's like what's like what is it going to be like like during a second one? It's just just a wild to think about, and it makes me sad when I look at like other countries. Uh, like when I look at like South Korea who, you know, th- it's like way better over there. And it's like, damn, like, w- w- why couldn't we have done a better job like these other countries? And it just blows my mind that it like became some like 
you know bipartisan like issue like with like wearing a mask and all that and it's like no it's like dude like we're all trying to live like this should be like team human shit like like this isn't like a political thing it's like like we're either gonna die or we're gonna live like like what do you want to do like let's figure it out i think uh i think there's there's a lot of remnants of it being an election year that has just been like unfortunately utilized by uh by a lot of people that has made everything regarding this that much worse mm-hmm. i mean i feel like that that split has been there probably for all four years of this of this presidency and i mean i think it was there before as well i just think that it, it maybe had like a, a slightly different tone to it um but yeah i, I think that you know it happening when it did didn't do the united states any favors no no yeah and it's just like yeah and, and things were like like for me when it first hit it was just so weird because like i live in orange county but like i work in la county so it's just like you know like the orders were like different i had to like you know like when it first started they're like oh like you need these papers to like you know show that you're going to work and i was like all right like let me have these just in case i get pulled over while i'm going to work or driving home from work and then like you know like LA had a curfew, but Orange County didn't. And like, no, like we weren't on the same page. So I was like, this is weird that like, I'm seeing like two different sides of like this whole thing. And then, um, like a few months in, like me me and my friends were just like, we're like, fuck this. Like, let's go on a road trip. So we, we like went and drove, um, through like, uh, Arizona, New Mexico to Texas. And then like, we just saw how different things were in other states and it was just so weird like how are things just so different everywhere when like we're all dealing with the same issue and like we're all like wanting to move past it and it was just like it was just so mind-blowing and, and even more recently like i was like on vacation i went to florida I, I went to disney world and it was like like night and day like like people like the the residents or the tourists out there just didn't care like i remember we were uh shopping at this target and i was like walking down i was looking for like like I don't remember, I was like, maybe chips or something, but I was like walking down this aisle and this girl was like coming towards me. And I, I remember I, I looked at her and I, I, I was trying to analyze like, you know, what was wrong. Cause it's like, she looked off and then it clicked in my mind. I'm like, Oh, she's not wearing a mask. And I'm like, that's why she looks weird to me because I can see her fucking face. I can see her nose. It's weird. And like, I was like, okay, I was like, this is strange. Cause like, obviously like the majority of people that I came in contact with, like were wearing masks, but then I saw like a lot of people that like weren't wearing masks and just didn't care. And I was like, this is so strange to me that like, it's just like, you know, just the blatant like ignorance, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, it's weird, like, because you, you keep kind of that, that mindset of like, uh, like it's not normal to see people wearing masks. Uh, that that was like the thing early on and like now if you're out somewhere it, it's like uh it, it almost sends you into like a like a panic when you see somebody not wearing a mask and like that panic might be a little like a a little bit of a, a, a like a a jump to to an unlikely conclusion but it's still just kind of like it's so out of the ordinary and it feels like man why why wouldn't you wear a mask out in public right now and I was in uh, I was in Tennessee in June, and it was like everything there was seemed like it was optional, and like we weren't even going into places or anything like that. Like we didn't go eat inside of anywhere. We didn't like walk into stores or anything. But like just like walking around in public and seeing people, everybody was like treating it there like it was just this 
like a mask was optional, like taking certain precautions was just so optional there that it almost like uh, it, it made you feel like you were experiencing two extremely different worlds. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff when I see that out in public, when I see these people and I'm just like, man, this is why we're never going to beat this. And I, it just makes me like, uh, just feel so sad. Cause it's just like, wow. I, I feel like, uh, you know, th th there's so many people who are like trying their best to, to, to follow the rules and, you know, uh, do the right thing to try to help slow this whole thing down till we can figure out how to beat it. But then there's just the, the other people who are just don't care and are, you know, making those numbers like rise. And it's just like, damn, this sucks. And it just makes me like wish that like we, we could get to a point where things would get better and people could understand. Cause like, I feel like it's just so simple. Like you think about it, like, like, don't you want to like beat this? So we can, so the things you're complaining about, we can get to those points where you don't have to complain anymore. All you have to do is just this one simple thing, you know? So it, yeah, it's just crazy to think about. So it's just like, yeah, like every time I see somebody, it's just like not wearing a mask. I, I just think they're gross. And I, I just feel like they're the reason why COVID's going to hang around for longer than it probably should have, you know? Sean, did we lose you? Sean, are you there? Hey, it's me again. This is Jamie from the future of the recording. Uh, this has never happened on an episode of the JMRK podcast. We lost connection with Sean. Apparently his phone died and then a bunch of other things just stacked up and he wasn't able to return after we got disconnected. And so I was pretty bummed that the conversation just ended abruptly. I was really uh, digging the flow and I was having a good time talking to him, but unfortunately, these things happen, so I just had to jump in here and let you guys know why it just ended abruptly. But I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Sean. It was fun. I hope you're a new fan, or I hope you're just a fan in general of Sunstroke. I seriously support what they're doing. I support New Morality Zine. I love everything that they have going on. Such an awesome label. Shout out, Nick. You're doing an awesome job. But seriously, Thank you guys for tuning in. I know things are pretty hectic right now at the time of this recording. We're still waiting to hear uh, final polling results. So we're still unclear of who our president will be. So all of you out there who are stressing out, who are freaking out, just hang tight. Hopefully things are trending in the right direction and we will have a new president and maybe we can start to move this country back into the right direction start doing some building towards positivity and just trying to grow from the current situation and current climate that we're in because i just want to be able to live my life and not end up like the simpsons in 2021 but seriously thank you guys for listening i seriously appreciate all of you who tune in every week and support the podcast it means so much to me so thank you and we'll talk to you soon oh yeah and this has been another episode of the Jamer K Podcast, always on top. <laughs>